0: You're joining All Things College and Career for in depth stories and advice with your hosts, Meg Gary and Bobby Ryan, owners of Academic and Career Advising Services.
1: Hey, everyone. Wow. Today we have such an amazing guest. Peter Economy, wait till you meet him. He is a great guy. Meg and I had so much fun talking to him. And of course we really get into all the great work Peter is doing. He has written some amazing books that he's published under his name and he has been the ghostwriter for over a hundred amazing books. So he has met tons of cool people and what an interesting guy.
0: Yeah, so interesting. I just loved our conversation with Peter. He is actually the best selling author of Managing for Dummies, which more than 60,000 copies sold globally, and Weight on the Boss. And he is the leadership guy at Inc.com, which averages over 500,000 page views a month for his more than 1,500 columns published to date.
1: That's he, impressive, right? Totally impressive, mm-hmm. yeah
0: he routinely works with C-level execs and executive coaches and business consultants worldwide and you can head on over to petereconomy.com and learn more about him
1: yeah all kinds of great info on his webpage and also today we are interviewing peter about his book wait i'm um, working with who such a great title. I mean, he has the best title. So
0: (laughs) already, you know, he's a
1: good writer. And in that book, he discusses all kinds of different types of jerks at work. So if that's you or someone you know, you might want to take a listen to this podcast and check it out.
0: Yeah, I think we've all worked with these jerks at work. (laughs) Um, But anyway, enough of the introduction, let's get on to our fantastic conversation with Peter Economy.
1: Okay, let's do it. Hello,
0: Peter Economy. Welcome to All Things College and Career. Thanks so much for joining us
1: on our podcast today.
2: Great to be here, Meg and Bobby. Fantastic. Thanks for inviting me.
1: So, Peter, we're on Zoom, everyone. So, Peter, I can see you have a little tan going. (laughs) Where are we talking to you from today?
2: I'm in La Jolla, California, which is just uh, part of San Diego, um, right next to the beach. So yeah, mm. it's kind of going to be a beach day today.
0: Yeah, nice, oh, nice. Oh, My gosh, every day is a beach day in La Jolla. <laughs> yeah,
2: it is. Yeah, it
1: sure yeah, is. yeah, it's the jewel, right? I love, I love La Jolla, and a great place to live for sure. So we're really excited to talk to you today. I mean, you've just written the book, Wait, I'm Working With Who, which (laughs) right away that title just grabs me, pulls me in, because as soon as I read that, I'm thinking, I've said those words. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I've definitely (laughs) said those words once or twice. So tell us how you decided to write this book.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We've all said those words once or twice and and often many more. Um, Yeah. You know, I I do a lot of books on on business and and leadership and management. But, you know, I I think when I was thinking about the next book, I was thinking, you know, what's something that would be kind of universally useful to people that, you know, anybody, regardless of what their background is, what their work situation is, you know, if they're graduating, uh, looking for a job, whatever it might be, would find useful and um, I'm the, the leadership guy on Inc.com. And as a part of that, you know, I've, I've written almost 1500 articles. And I, I noticed that every time I did a book about or a, an article about toxic workplaces and working with toxic people, that always got a lot of interest. I got a lot of click on clicks on those articles. Mm. So I said, yeah, maybe I should do a book about this, you know, because I think people would find it of interest and, and, and actually put it to good use. So um, that's what got me interested in this particular topic this time.
0: That's so interesting. Some of the research I've read is working with a jerk at work basically is one of the number one reasons employees leave their job. Poor management, a jerk for a boss. So it seems like a pretty critical issue.
2: Yeah. And and you're right, Meg. I mean, particularly that that one study, I, I'm not sure who did it, if it was Gallup or somebody, but they found that the the number one reason why people leave their job is because of a boss that, that's a, a bad boss if they've got a, a jerk for a boss and that's the number one reason by far. So um, that's part of it too is for bosses are you being a jerk and then what's yeah. happening to your place? Uh, so yeah that's 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 a huge thing.
0: And people that can manage in a way that gets a lot out of their employees but still has that cohesive approach um, probably is going to be a very valuable asset to an employer.
2: Oh, tremendous. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a fine line. And and I was a manager for quite some time, and I don't think I was the best manager in the world, but I, I got the job done and <laughs> and people liked working for me. So we've all had bad bosses. We've all had bosses that um, we just wanted to get the heck out of there. It's like, you know, I I just don't want to go to work today because my boss is not someone I want to work with.
1: It's funny because they say, you know, you might not have been the best manager in the world, but you get the job done. I kind of feel that way about parenting i might not be the best <laughs> parent in the world yeah. i think i got the job
2: done yeah <laughs> i can relate to speak. that i've got i've got 3 kids and yeah i, I look back on, on on my parenting i wonder if yeah. i could identify yeah
1: i mean i think there could have been some adjustments there but you know <laughs> Got the you job have, done. I got the job done. I was in there. I was in there trying. That's what Don shows. You funny. have a
0: Bobby has amazing sons. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. Thank you. But he's a little
1: biased there, Peter. Oh, yeah. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so what I was going to say is that if you are maybe a terrible manager or maybe you're kind of a jerk as a manager, the great thing about your book is that you have some areas in there that you can. Well, first of all, when you go through the and we'll get to this, the 16 personality types of a jerk. I love how at the end of each personality type, you have a little survey to answer the questions, are you or maybe a coworker doing this or that? And I love that because that's a little self-test. Right. <laughs> that's a little a a little a test <laughs> to see if uh, if that maybe you you are indeed the jerk at work.
2: Right. Yeah. And it happens. I mean, that's the whole thing. I think that you know one of the things I talk about in this book is being self-aware. Um, because, yeah, I mean, for every boss that's out there that's that's a jerk, well, guess what? It might be you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you need to be very self-aware. And when those signals are coming in, when people are telling you, you know, or when you're walking down the hallway and somebody's, you know, they, people start darting away, like trying to go somewhere else, yeah, trying to, trying to avoid you.
1: That's bad a bad sign. sign. You might it's want to be of like, aware of it. You know? Did you ever see that movie Office Space?
2: oh yeah for and, sure you know and
1: he's like yeah. comes to the cubicle yeah i'm gonna need you to <laughs> stay exactly. through the weekend exactly. yeah and that that guy had no idea he was a jerk
2: yeah yeah and, and guess what when you see that guy coming up uh, you know toward your cubicle on on friday you know it's yeah. like I, i'm just gonna dart out i'm just gonna get out of here before yeah. they do
1: doing. they're hiding yeah. doing anything they can <laughs> To get out of that situation. Yeah. Well, I was just going to get into the 16 types of jerks that you talk about, and maybe we can just get into a few of them. We have a couple written down here that we liked, but um, is there any that you really would like to talk about the most?
2: Well, you know, I think that some of my favorites, um, you know, the credit thief, yeah. And, yeah, You know, I think that's really common. That's one that that we see a lot of. I know I, I did when I was um, working in, in companies. You've always got someone who, you know, you're on a team and your team is doing great stuff and everybody's pitching in. Actually, you know, it's just kind of a rare thing. There's always people kind of hang back and, and try to coast along with, yeah. with the team. But let's assume you're on a team that everybody's pitching in. And um, you know they make the presentation to some executive team or something, you know, showing what the great work you did, and that one person sort of steps up and says, "Well, it was it was all about me. I'm the star. I'm the one who right. you know got this you know got this over the finish line." And everybody's kind of looking. Everybody else in the team's looking at each other, going, "Wait a second, right. you know, we we were all a part of this too." But there's you know. That's one of those toxic people that really bugs the hell out of people. Is uh, those credit thieves, the ones who who try to keep a spotlight on them instead of their teammates and coworkers?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such an interesting way to put it—to keep a spotlight on themselves instead of their coworkers.
1: Yeah, and I think a talent of a good manager would be able to see kind of through that, right? Is, <laughs> I mean, <sighs> I I don't know. Like maybe that one person. So you have a group of people and one person's always taking the credit. Maybe they deserve it or maybe they don't.
2: Yeah. And a lot of times, you know, a manager can actually kind of call that out. So um, the manager can press that person. They can say, "Oh, tell me more about you know the actual methodology or how you how you got to that answer. Why don't you walk me through how you got to that answer?" Yeah. yeah. And all of a sudden that that person starts stumbling. They start, "Well, wait, you know, oh yeah, well well Susan over here, yeah, she had to do this, you know, and, uh, she and, might have and
0: done a little minute part, a little
2: bit, you know, and then oh yeah, Mark had to do the survey, you know, and had to analyze the data, and oh yeah, so yeah, I think a, a, a an. Ast- Manager will will kind of sense that and start kind of pressing that that credit thief and saying, "Well, tell me more. Um, yeah. Let's hear more about how this all came about."
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and that can really crush morale when somebody's stealing all the getting all the accolades for work you actually did. So that's that's gonna yeah. be a real toxic thing. Yeah, yeah, and,
2: and and it comes out. You know, it's one thing to just have toxicity, but I think it comes out. Uh, in, in ways that maybe you don't expect. So all of a sudden people on that team start holding back. They start, you know, disengaging from the work. I mean, you want your people, you want your teammates to be fully engaged and performing, but when someone else keeps stealing the spotlight, you know, those other people say, maybe I'll just hang back. Maybe we'll let that person, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if they're going to take all the credit, they can do the work. How about yeah. that? How about
0: How that? About that? That's-
2: yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, so you really lose the the engagement, the performance of everyone else on the team, if you let that continue.
1: I like the chatter. And because uh. that's just been something that that's happened to me is like, you're into your work, you're trying to get stuff done. And you know, you have the person hanging out in your cubicle. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh your office. I never yeah. had an office. I always had a cubicle. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not mad about that or anything. No, but no. Yeah, <laughs> it's no lingering hostility. there's no lingering possibilities. <laughs> no,
2: nah, not at all. <laughs>
1: no, but seriously, it's very. It's difficult. If it's a once in a while, it's okay. But some people, that's that's their thing.
2: Yeah. And I, and I think it's interesting because, you know, so many of us have started working at home and, you know, a lot of people have chosen to work uh, for ourselves. You know, that's something that as people graduate, you know, as as young people graduate from college, there's a decision. Do I work for somebody else or do I start my own thing? You know, do I do my own thing? And part of doing your own thing might be working at home or working in a Starbucks or something, you know, working remotely. Um, And more and more companies are doing a hybrid work thing where they're going to let employees allow employees to work remotely, um, at least part time. So one of the things I did a book called um, Home-Based Business for Dummies, where we talk about that, where people will interrupt you. They think, you know, you're at home working and they'll think, oh, you know, they're not actually doing anything. I'm, I'm you know and your and your sister, your brother, your neighbor, your um uh, mail delivery person, whatever it might be. Right. We'll chat we'll chat you up. They'll come over, they'll hang out. They'll like, you know, hey, you know, what's going on? You know, let's <laughs> let's, let's let's talk. And it's right. like, well, wait a second. I'm I'm working, you know. <laughs> Just right. because no, I'm you're at, not, home,
1: you're at home. Yeah.
2: yeah. Just because I'm at home, yeah, they'll think you're not working.
0: Or if your mom working at home, they think you're available for all the carpools and volunteer work, yeah. you know? Yeah. My
2: uh, wife had to fight that. I mean, my wife was working at home and uh, you know, everybody thought she could be the call up babysitter, you know, Oh, can you just watch my kid for a while? Can you, Oh yeah. Can you, oh, my kid needs to be picked up at school. Can you, you know, pick up my kid? And it's like, no, I can't, you know, cause I'm, I, 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 I'm working. working. I'm actually, I'm actually working here at home just because I'm home. Doesn't mean I'm not at, at work.
1: Yeah. My gosh, the, the jerks at work are becoming the jerks at home.
2: it is that's the thing i think we've crossed that line you know we've crossed the rubicon where
1: you know we used to be we used to
2: be able to divide work you know we 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 got in our cars we got on the subway we did whatever we went to work and that was we were away from home and and now and then we came home and then we were home but now we're 24 7 work um, between working at home ourselves or being on the phone our smartphones are always pinging Mm -hmm. us Getting emails all, you know, again, my wife, she's like getting emails all the time. She likes to, you know, respond to them, whatever time of the day it might be or the weekend. So we don't really have that that dividing line anymore. And uh, so that toxicity can kind of cross into our home life too, our personal lives more than ever.
1: That's so true that people just assume that you're working nonstop when you work from home. And and then there's the time zone thing. So, you know, you you guys. (laughs) Right. So, well. Someone from the East Coast calling you up at 7 a.m. So you get
2: that. <laughs> yeah, and and I work. You know, I I have clients. You know, I'm a writer. I, I do a lot of right. ghostwriting books, and I have clients in Germany and Israel. You know, you know, right. you name it. I've got clients in Asia. Um, I had a woman that I was working with who was in Japan, and yeah, talk about time zones. It's like you know we're we're right. trying to coordinate our calendars.
1: Yeah. And I'd love to get into a little bit about your ghostwriting and writing. Sure. I'd love Um, to talk.
2: I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: But let's just talk about a little bit about some of the negative impacts that the jerks at work have on the morale and also what people can do to make it a better work environment. And right toss the jerks or recondition them at least.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, there's been a lot of research on this. And as you might imagine, and the statistics show that two thirds of American employees report that at least at one time or another, they've worked in a toxic workplace. Yeah. So two thirds of us have worked in a toxic workplace. And one quarter of those people have worked in more than one. Toxic workplace. So two or more toxic workplaces. So it's really a per- pervasive thing, mm. and the research shows that productivity has really suffered because of this. Just just people who don't who call in sick, um, who say I don't want to go to work because I don't want to be there with this person, whether it's a boss or a coworker. It's almost half a billion dollars a year of lost productivity because of this. So, yeah, um, it's it's something that we need to do something about. It's something we can do something about. So that's that's the good news part about it.
1: So what are some of the things we can do about it?
2: Yeah. If you're the, if the kind of the recipient of this toxic behavior, you know, I've got a bunch of strategies. I have eight specific strategies in the book, but let's talk about one of them, for example. Um, one of the strategies is re- to refuse to play their game. Yeah. So um, you know that becomes being becoming aware of the game that's being played on you, and a, a lot of toxic people love to play the game. They love to get a you know push people's buttons. I mean, I had a person I used to work in a, a job. One of my first jobs out of college, and this person that thought I sh- she should have had my job because I, I was brought in alongside her. And she thought she should have my job, which I was hired for. And she would make a point of in our staff meetings, trying to push my buttons. And she was pretty good at it. I mean, she would get a rise out of me every time. Mm. And uh, my boss took me aside one day and said, you know what, this, this person is pushing your buttons, and she's enjoying it. And you just need to be aware of this and not engage, you know, not not play the game. So it's, Figuring out what game is being played on you, you know, being aware of it, understanding how this jerk is manipulating you, and then taking those buttons off of your back, you know, or off your forehead, wherever that button may be, um, take it off and refuse to play the game. Because um, once you become aware of it, then you know what's happening and you can stop playing. And and that person's either going to find someone else to play the game on or, you know, whatever they're just going to be a sad, toxic person um, until <laughs> until they find somebody else who responds the way you you used to respond.
1: Right, right. And sometimes it's tricky to you know maybe have to confront somebody, especially if you're not getting support from your manager or your boss, or maybe the jerk is your boss. I mean, I can remember one time I uh, I'm a mechanical engineer, and so I was asked to design something. And he wasn't my direct manager, but he was a high up guy and he was anxious for it. He wanted it right. done soon. So he actually came in my office and sat down. And while I was watching me design, <laughs> like wa- looking over my shoulder like, and my co-workers are like, wow, wow. what is going on? <laughs> what he do? I mean, and um, so finally, though, I just turned around and said, look, if this is something you want, quickly, and I know you do. The best thing you can do is step out of my office and let me work.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and that takes courage, and that's great. I mean, you've you've got to be courageous. I mean, you've got to have the courage to stand up for yourself mm -hmm, and say, you know, like you said, get off my back. (laughs) I I I can't create. I can't create when you're watching everything I do. You know, it's just that's just not it's not going to work.
1: Yeah, the creative juices aren't flowing. (laughs) Yeah, not at all.
2: (laughs) Yeah, so I I think stand. You know, that's something else. That's another strategy. I I said is is challenge challenging the bad behavior. Mm -hmm. So you're actually taking the time or, you know, being courageous enough to challenge it and standing up for yourself. Mm -hmm. And and you've got to, I mean, this is something that it's difficult for people to often people to do because no one wants to make waves. No one wants to be be considered to be a jerk themselves. But when it's a coworker, you need to let them know this behavior you're doing isn't working for me. I can't, you know, it's not helping me do my job. In fact, it's, it's, it's stopping me from doing a good job. And then when it's your boss, that takes that extra courage. I mean, to really stand up to your boss and, uh, and, you know, and you want to do it in a way that's that's really I don't know if loving is the right word, but but you know, in a in a way that, you know, you're 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 trying to help them because obviously if they're if they're being toxic with you, they're probably being toxic with other other people too, your your coworkers. Right. So you wanna help them do better and they will do better if they're aware of this behavior. They may not be aware of the behavior. I mean, a lot of people who are toxic aren't aware of it. They're they're yeah. not <laughs> conscious of it. And you're actually helping them become conscious of a behavior they not, may not be conscious of.
0: Such right. a great point.
1: Yeah. And when is it okay to go to your boss's boss? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess over. It, right. You might have to, if, if there is a boss's boss, maybe. Yeah. You know. I, I th-
2: I think the question becomes, you know, am I, is this bad enough that I'm getting ready to leave this company and I'm getting ready to look for another job? I think when you're starting to think in those terms that, you know, maybe I just can't stand working for this person and, I've already talked to them. They're not changing their behavior. And maybe I'm going to start looking for another job. When you've reached that point, I think that's the time you better start talking to their, your boss's boss. Because yeah. you really, you know, if you don't want to yeah. leave the you're job, if the you want out
1: the door anyway. Yeah. yeah, you're out
2: the door anyway. So what, what have I got to lose? I that's mean, a good point. Um, good point. I, I would go up, you know skip over my boss and talk to my boss's boss or my boss's boss's boss or right. whoever it might be. Because a, right. again, you're, you, you want the company to do well. You want the organization to win. And with this person behaving in the way they are, they're not going to win. So you're not the only one who's, who's dealing with this behavior.
1: I think if you started a conversation with those words with mm-hmm. most people, I want this company to win. I want this company to do well. That that's a, uh, that's the right tone to set before you air your grievance, right? <laughs>
2: yeah. It's not about you. Right. I mean, it might it might really be about you. Right. But it's 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 about the, the company as a whole and your coworkers. I mean, they're all suffering. Uh, mm-hmm. I assume most of them are suffering. And, and the company's not going to perform as well and, and it's not going to compete as well in the marketplace.
0: hmm Great yeah. point. Tell us what you mean about the concept of hiring slow and firing mm. fast. Mm.
2: Yeah. Um, That's something that every company should do more of. I I think that, you know, and especially now, I think, you know, people are talking about it's harder to find people to work. Companies are scrambling around trying to find employees. I mean, here in San Diego area, I know that I keep getting pinged with emails from the restaurants I go to saying, you know, they're all having job fairs. They're offering um, bonuses. They're offering people, you know, money to to find people to work for them. So I think people are kind of desperate to hire people, right? Now. And that's a, I mean, I, I understand that to some degree, but you got to take time um, to find the right people. It's not, it's not enough to just hire people and get a warm body in that chair. You got to find the right person because it costs a lot of money to when you lose somebody, when you have to fire someone or they go away because yeah. they it, it's they're not the right fit, it costs a lot of money to replace that person. I mean, you've lost all the time of training them, you've lost all the time you've invested, maybe your team has invested in bring them on board. And when they leave, you've lost, I mean, I, I've seen statistics in the past were like $50,000 right off the bat
1: mm. of,
2: of your recruiting time um, and onboarding time that's lost. Yeah. Um, so take the time to hire the right person. You know, hire slow, Um, interview multiple interviews, multiple layers of interviews with multiple people on your team. Don't just have one interview, you know, not a 15 minute interview and you're hired kind of thing. You know, you really need to have multiple people on your team interview them and make sure that they're they're the right fit. You know, do your due diligence. I mean, today, obviously, we all know that um, you should look at their social media. I mean, that's, that's part of the um, hiring process nowadays. Go out, look at their Facebook, look at their Instagram, look at, you know, what kind of person is this? Um, Do do you really want to hire that person? (laughs) Is that the kind of person who's, who are posting all kinds of crazy stuff? You're going to probably take a second look at that person. That's got to be part of the process too. So, and then, then when someone isn't performing, that's the fire fast part of it. When someone isn't performing, you give them chances, you, you, you know, you, you counsel them, you take time to say, this isn't working. Um, you're not meeting the goals, the standards we've set. Here's another, you know, take another chance. Do we need to give you more training, whatever it might be, but if they still can't perform if they're still not doing the job and you've got to get, you know, you've just got to fire that person. You got to let that person go because they're not, they're not going to excel in your organization. It's not good for them. It's not good for your organization because, um, you need someone who's right for the job.
1: Yeah, Absolutely. And when I think of your book in terms of who should be reading it, really, I mean, every manager could read it to make sure Mm -hmm. they're not being a jerk, but really, who couldn't read it, right? Everybody should take take that test and that litmus test to see maybe some of their things they're doing, they could be the jerk at work, too. Um,
2: yeah. And it yeah. goes into your personal life, too. I mean, the,
1: True. you know,
2: work, it's all relationships you know, we all have toxic people in our lives. It could be an, uh, an uncle, and, you know, <laughs> uh, not a sister, right? No, sister. no, 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 sister. no. Not a
0: sister. God, no. no.
2: but um, our neighbor, you know, I've, I used to, I've always, everybody's got a neighbor who's like a total jerk, you know, and I, yeah. I, 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 I whenever we've moved, my wife and I have moved, our families moved. I've always liked going, Oh God, I hope we don't move in next to someone who's a total jerk because know? Know. we've, I've, I've lived next to a jerk and it's just terrible when you've got someone, you know, you, you know, a neighbor. Right. So, so these are all strategies. This book is full of strategies. Mostly it's about the workplace, but I mean, it could be in any part of your life, um, yeah. you know, relationships that you have with other people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good crossover to many things. I know I, one of the places, actually when we were in La Jolla, one of the biggest reasons I didn't want to move is because how much I loved my neighbor. And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. this, this, you know, we might not get so lucky again. And uh, right. that was hard to, that was hard to leave actually. So yeah, just like you want to escape the jerks. You don't want to leave the people that <laughs> bring you joy. Yeah, so,
2: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, and that's hard to get. That's a, that's a real hard thing to get to have that perfect um, mm. situation.
1: Yeah, and I had a company situation like that too, where I really, really liked the company I was working at, the people I was working at, managers, and and when you have that, you feel like you hit you hit the jackpot, you know? Yeah. Um, so you
2: literally are, have you definitely yeah you have. really
1: have <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. So Peter, you are a prolific writer. You've, <laughs> written, least, right? <laughs> uh, you've written about 100 books and you've either authored, I mean, either authored or co-authored about 100 books and, and you've been a ghost writer. So can you tell us a little bit about these different roles? Which role do you prefer?
1: And are, do you have something you're most proud of? Find out how Peter got into writing right after this quick message from Meg.
0: Thank you, Bobby. I just wanted to quickly break in here to share. I am now an FCD instructor, so if you would like to become a certified career counselor through the NCDA, I can now make that happen for you. I also offer career coaching and academic advising. To learn more about any of these services, please visit my website, Academic and Career Advising Services. I will include that link in the show notes. Now back to the podcast.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm a writer and it took me a while to figure that out. You know, it's interesting because, you know, when I went to college, I majored in human biology. I was pre-med and i I flunked out of pre-med, you know because <laughs> I'm a, I'm not a I discovered in college that i'm I was I'm not a quantitative person. I'm a qualitative person. I, I'm a what person. I'm not a numbers person. So part of the win, winnowing process at, at, in college was helping me realize that I'm not a numbers person. So I was not going to excel in chemistry. I was not going to excel in physics. I was not going to excel in you know statistics and probability. I figured that out real quick. so, I eventually got a job being a contract negotiator for the government. Then I became a a manager working um, in a software development company, managing people in operations. So I was, you know, accounting, purchasing contracts, all that stuff. But on the side, um, as I was working this full-time job being a manager, um, I started writing books. Uh, a friend of mine came to me and said, oh, I want you to write a book about negotiation, which was kind of my thing. And so I wrote a book about negotiation. I said, oh, you know, I've written a book. I'll never have to write a book again. I've, I've checked that box. I've right, filled that I've filled box. that bucket. You know, <laughs> I've done that thing. Never have to do it again. Well, then he, he said, well, I want you to do this other book. And I said, OK, I'll do this other book. So anyway, uh, on the side, as sort of a side hustle kind of thing, I started writing books. And I would work full time at my regular career job being a manager. And then at night, well, at lunch and at night, I would after my wife went to bed, I'd go off and start and start writing. And I, I did more and more of that. So one day I got uh, laid off along with 15 other managers. We got, all got laid off. Mm-hmm. I said, that's ah, OK. Oh, yeah. you know, I'm writing full time, essentially. So I, I, I just I'll just write more books. And they called me back the next day and said, oh, we found six months more money. Come on back. And I said, no, you know, I think I'm just (laughs) going to do this writing thing. I've been writing full time ever since. I found my place in the world. I found what I'm supposed to do. I, I wasn't supposed to be a manager. I wasn't supposed to be a, a doctor. I wasn't supposed to be all the things I thought I was going to be when I was in college. I found out later that I really, really was supposed to be a writer mm. and I, I love to write. I mean, and, and the thing that I love the most about it, aside from the writing process itself, which I actually do, I love to write. It's the amazing people that I meet. I've met the most amazing people. Um, you know, I ghostwrite a lot. I, I ghostwrite for CEOs of, of tech companies, for example, in the Silicon Valley. I'm just working on a book right now with a, a venture capital guy, big venture capital firm in, in Palo Alto. Um, I've written books. I There's a um, TV show called Dance Moms. Um, Abby Lee Miller, I wrote a book with her. I wrote her book about, you know being a, a dance mom, leader yeah. of dance moms. Yeah. Um I've just met the most amazing people and that's what I love most about what it, what my my vocation is, what my writing thing is all about is meeting the, and working with these amazing people and a lot of them become friends. They become my friends and and colleagues because you get really into their lives as a yeah. part. When you're a writer, when you write their book, it's a very personal thing sure. and you yes. get to know them. And sometimes I'll visit them. I'll hang out with them wherever they may be. Um, you know, I haven't gone overseas to do a job yet, but uh, one of my clients um, took me on a 10 day trip to the Philippines because that was part of his story. Wow. Um, flew me over there, you know, first class, um, stayed wow. in a hotel and it was just like, wow. I mean, yeah. I've been to Europe. I went on tour with uh, I, I did a book called Leadership Ensemble, which was with an orchestra out of New York City, um, Orpheus Chamber Orchestra, and we toured Europe. I was on the bus with the, these orchestra members and in the hotels and getting to know them and, and going to their their concerts, you know. Um,
1: that's fantastic.
2: So, yeah, that, that's I, I, I love what I do. I love my job.
1: Oh, my I God. can it tell. Shows. It shows yeah. just being talking about it. You know, first of all, you have to big thank you to that friend that had you write your first book. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank,
0: thank you,
2: gosh. Bob Nelson. Thank you, Bob, <laughs> Bob <laughs>
1: Nelson. Shout, Shout out, out Bob to Nelson. Bob yeah. And what, what a privilege and joy to be able to do something you love, right? And to our listeners, right? Sometimes that doesn't happen when you're 18, 19, 20. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you don't figure these things out for a while but I guess the point is keep searching right because if you're doing something that maybe isn't bringing you joy right now but you have to pay the bills you have to get a paycheck keep searching keep trying new things listen to your friend when they say hey (laughs) (laughs) and
0: and and I think a great lesson in your story is just work with your strengths Mm. you know really capitalize on those strengths. And that's where you're more in the flow, yeah. <laughs> not and fighting uh swimming upstream, so to speak. <laughs>
2: and I didn't really realize it was a strength. Again, you know, in college, I had no idea. I took one creative writing class and that was kind of fun, but I didn't really consider myself a writer at all. And you're right. You just got to be aware. You got to be alert to it, that maybe what you're doing is not what you should be doing mm. or, or will be doing, you know, five years from now, 10 years from now. When I first started working out of college, I had no idea I was going to be a writer someday. That's the last thing I would have ever imagined. But 10 years later, after I was out of college, I started writing. And it became my full-time job eventually. So you've got to be alert to that. You've always got to kind of keep your ears open. You know, is there something I'm doing that I really like doing? And maybe I should be doing more of. Right. Um, and then, like you said, when, when Bob come by, comes by and says, hey, would you write a book for me? Uh, say, cool. yeah. You know, yeah. say yes, say yes to say the yes. universe. Yes. Yeah, say yes, yes to the universe. <laughs>
1: right. And so how did people, when you first started out and became a ghostwriter, um, how did people think, know to reach out to you or to find you? Is it because you wrote some things previously and they, it tied into what their lives were like? Or I don't know. How did that transition?
2: Yeah. Yeah. The first jobs I got were, you know, from with with Bob, my friend Bob. And he he found me a couple of these projects. And then I started just getting out there more like Bob had a friend who needed some writing work done. And that person had a friend who needed some writing work done. And I was writing small things at first. I wasn't writing books. I was writing like little articles. I Mm -hmm. I would write articles um, for these people. Um, Just little little pieces. And I started just getting this kind of network of people who needed work and then becoming kind of this referral system, I guess, where they would say, oh, I was happy with your work. I'm going to send a friend over. It's one of my colleagues. I'm going to send a colleague over. They need they need some work done, too. And it just sort of grew organically. I mean, I never advertised. I didn't put out advertisements. And back then this was like mid 90s, I think, is when this sort of started snowballing there was no internet out the, the web had just been invented. You know, there wasn't all of the social, social media didn't exist.
1: Right.
2: Um, right. You know, it was just, just what did people, we
1: do with our time? <laughs> yeah. There,
2: there was this, there was this weird thing called a pay phone. That, yeah, you, know,
1: right.
0: you
2: know, if you had to, if you're on the road, you need to make a call, you'd have to stop at a gas station. And
0: hope and pray you had enough change. To and, yeah, go. exactly.
2: So yeah, I, I can remember scrambling for change many times,
0: yeah, sure.
2: but But um, yeah, just slowly organically built it. And uh, the more the more projects I did, the more projects I got and the more happy customers. That's that's such an important part of it is is building this base of happy customers, people who like what you did. And And when when you you get those referrals. And even today, that's where I get all my business. I mean, 99 percent of my business comes from referrals, happy customers. I work with literary agents. I work with certain literary agents over many years and they're always sending me work. I'm a part of some ghostwriting organizations that they're always kind of scanning the horizon looking for for ghostwriting projects. So um, now it, it just the work comes to me. But before you had to I had to build it little by little.
1: Yeah, of course. So and then how did you become the leadership guy for Inc?
2: Um, leadership, uh, again, a friend, you know, so much of the work that people get or that comes to you is is I know personally, it's from my friends and my, mm-hmm. my network of colleagues. Right. So a, a friend of mine, again, a guy named Kevin Dom, he was writing on ink. This was, I don't know, seven or eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, yeah, Peter, you know, you ought to think about writing articles on ink. You know, same kind of thing. Hey, my friend, Bob, hey, you should write yeah. a book about yeah. negotiation. Yeah. Right. I said, OK, well, yeah, I'd, I would like to write articles on ink. That sounds like a good way to make some money. Yeah, right. <laughs> And exactly. they, 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 they pay people to write articles. It's not like you do it for free. They actually pay you to write the articles. No, yeah. Right. And so nice. yeah. I started writing and uh, uh, Kevin Dom got my foot in the door. I met the editor. This is before I started writing. I met the editor. We talked. I said, here's some article ideas that I would like to do. She said, great, let's do them. And awesome. so they hired me to write the articles. And and I've done over 1,500 wow. article, articles ever since. I was going to, I was going to put an expletive in there. I said a 19. <laughs> ex- yeah.
0: You, you can actually do that on the podcast. <laughs> but,
2: <laughs> if you want. Yeah. To. But there were a lot of articles, you know, there were nice yeah. articles
1: <laughs> and and just a you know, big variety about topics and things. I mean, I went through some and there's some great ones. I like just, I, one that caught my eye with the 70 remarkably inspiring quotes from Disney Plus. <laughs>
2: but,
1: yeah. I mean, but it's just, I mean, obviously you have a lot of te- you know 10 top rated companies by Gen Zers and <laughs> There's just a lot of material and information there, but also just kind of fun to read articles as well. Yeah,
2: so. well, thank you. And, yeah. and one of the things, you know, people ask me, should I start writing articles on the internet and, you know, posting them and stuff? And I say, I tell them, well, try to get on a platform like Inc. or Entrepreneur or whatever it might be, you know, College Board or whatever. I mean, there's there's all kinds of platforms that are pre-established that have already kind of gotten a, a following. And I always recommend to people, try to get on one of those platforms. Don't try to build your own platform unless you're, you're the next. Mark Zuckerberg or something. Sure, right. if you're if you're Mark Zuckerberg, build your own platform. Do whatever, yeah. Do whatever. But otherwise, you know, get on somebody else's platform. Like you know, you were talking about Disney. Yes. Um, if you Google Disney quotes, you know, just Google Disney quotes. Guess what? What article comes up number one on Yours. Google? It's you're my article. It's right. on Disney quotes. For some right. reason, that article has just gotten so much attention. And yeah. it's because it was on ink.com If I had done my own article um, on my own website or on Medium or something or somewhere else, it would not be the number one article in the world for Disney quotes. But because I was on that platform, that ink.com platform, it is right. the number one article.
0: Right. It can be a real launching pad for writers is what you're saying. Share.
2: exactly yeah yeah and you you need that launching pad so again tiktok people you know young people are using tiktok yeah. a lot that's a great launching pad it um is. you know you don't need to build your own tiktok you need to be on tiktok Yeah.
1: <laughs> a, and, lot. And put a lot yeah, of content a lot. out there and yeah exactly eventually get noticed yeah and it but that is tricky speaking of like reaching out and maybe trying to get a platform like Inc. or anything else, it's really hard as a writer to get a publicist, get a publisher, get on that platform, you know, even if you're a fantastic writer, just to get that first notice. Yeah. So how does
0: a new writer break in? You know, how how do they get their work noticed and recognized?
2: Yeah. Well, I think a big part of it is offering something different than everyone else. I mean, you know, if you were going to be a writer and start writing about how to nail an interview, there's a thousand other people out there writing about how to nail an interview. I mean, there there you could find all kinds of people writing about that. And there's all kinds of people writing books about it. And there's all, all kinds of people, you know, doing podcasts about it. So uh, you need to be unique. You need to stand out in some way. So I I think what I usually advise is is pick a topic that that's a little bit different than what everybody else is doing. It could still be about nailing an interview, but maybe it's about nailing interviews as an LGBT person or something, you know, or, you know, some kind of other angle, some kind of other slant to it that maybe someone else hasn't got, you know, what's going to make you stand out from the rest of the pack. Uh, and then approaching these these platforms. So for example, Inc.com is always looking for new people. And you have got to figure out how to how to find that. So on Inc.com's website, somewhere buried deep within there, mm-hmm. there's a place where you can go and and pitch them and say, I've got an idea for an, a, an article, a series of articles I'd like to do. And here's you're, my ideas.
0: You're you know? setting yourself up for competition right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you are setting
2: yourself up for competition. But no. You're getting, you're getting on to potentially onto a platform that'll get you noticed.
0: Yeah, so, that's great, great advice. Yeah.
2: So, but, but again, be a little different than everybody else, you know, mm-hmm. what's everybody else doing? Be a little different.
0: Love
1: that's it. great advice. I love that. Okay. So, well, Hey, we've covered the book, the jerks at work. We really <laughs> wanted to talk about your writing and, and we've covered that. Go check out Peter on his website, petereconomy.com. Is that right?
2: That's that's the one.
1: That's the one, and because right there you'll see you have links to your Ink articles. All of his books are up there too, so you can see all the many many books he's either written himself or has been a ghostwriter on. And so you have definitely worked with some fascinating people. I had to check out a few myself, and Uh-oh. and the uh, the venture capitalists that you're working with coming up in Palo Alto. Do you mind sharing
2: what VC? Um, I probably shouldn't say Should okay. it. Okay. At this point, I think I've got some kind of thing I signed that says I'm not supposed did. to talk about you it.
1: Probably did. That's okay. But, I was just but,
2: curious. Yeah, but um, they're big. I mean, yeah. they're they're multinational, so um, wow, big, big, exciting. big firm. Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's part of the interesting part about being a, a ghostwriter sometimes I can't talk about it.
0: I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it seems like you can pretty much write on any subject. Is that?
2: I think I can, and I think if you if you ask me to write a book like right now on anything, yeah, I'll, 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 I could start writing it because I just always have ideas in my head. I, I think uh-huh. I know a lot about a, a lot of things, yeah. And it may yeah. not it may not be the perfect book, but it'll. I can write something about it. You know, name a topic, and I'll write something about it for what sure. What a
0: gift. That's incredible. Would you like to share with our listeners any services you may offer or anything you would like to? uh... Yeah,
2: well, what I what I definitely do, I mean, I I go straight books um, and and I'm always, you know, looking for new projects. But, you know, I I think it's a free kind of thing. I mean, I'm always happy to talk to people like people reach out to me on LinkedIn and and ask for advice. You know, what do you tell me about the publishing industry? Do you think Mm -hmm. my idea is good? I mean, how did you get into writing? You know, and I, I love to talk to people. I love to, you know, no charge. I'm just happy to kind of give the uh, the knowledge, the experience I've, I've gained over the years. You know, kind of give that back, pay it forward. So, you know, anybody out there that's listening who wants to uh, to reach out to me, please feel free on LinkedIn. I mean, I'm I'm there. Just look at Peter Economy yeah, LinkedIn. You, you, know, yeah. you, you can get hold of me there. You know, I'm always happy to talk to people and 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 just you know count you know give my advice
1: that's really generous
0: Thank that you. was very generous and we'll include all those links in the show notes just in Super. case anybody's driving right. or busy doing something
1: right don't going.
2: look at your phone don't right. no no right. no, right. no. Yeah, no, don't, no do that. don't look at linkedin while you're driving <laughs> Yeah,
1: <laughs> no bad, bad move for sure okay so at the end of our podcast we do a we used to call it rapid fire we're calling it quick questions now because rapid yeah. is never rapid <laughs> but the questions are quick. The answers don't have to be. So, okay. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: Right. What is your least favorite and most favorite thing about technology?
2: My least favorite thing about technology is you've always got to keep up with it. Um, yeah. I'm always having to update my, you know, Apple Watch, oh, my a- iPhone. Every year, I'm getting a new <laughs> iPhone. You know, so, yeah, I, yeah, oh, I yeah, yeah. yeah. That I
1: just need addicts. I can't see we're yeah, all I've showing up. Yeah. 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 that
0: I just yeah. updated so, mine yesterday. It took like. 17 hours or whatever. Oh God. Yeah.
2: And I hate that, that I've, then I've got to uh, actually physically uh, update it all this, you know, clear off my information and get it onto the new, the new platform. So I hate that. Right. right. But what I love about it is that it's just so powerful. I mean, it Mm. does so much. It's, Mm. it's so much a part of my life now. Mm -hmm. I mean, and I'm an Apple geek, Apple fanboy, whatever you want to call it. I've got an Apple, you know, iMac. I've got my iPhone. I've got my (laughs) Apple watch. I've got, (laughs) Yeah, I
1: got your book uh, right here. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, I I, I just you know, it's just become a part of my life. And, yeah. and I, it's ubiquitous. And from so I love it. I hate it. I love it. You know, yeah, I know. For sure. I
1: know it is a love hate relationship, isn't it? Exactly. Okay. Have you ever done an extreme sport like skydiving, bungee jumping? Or would you if you haven't?
2: I want to and I got really close to skydiving. Yeah. Um we have a glider port. I, you may recall yeah. um you know that we have this a glider port out here, Bobby, yeah. where um you know there's this huge cliff in La Jolla. Yeah. It's called and it's over Black's, Black's Beach. Beach. It's called Tor, Tor, yeah. Torrey Pines um, State Park kind of thing. Yeah. And there's a glider port there. And I, I want to do the I want to do one of those tandem do glider too. hang glider, I, whatever you call it.
1: I, I wanted to do that yeah so let's yeah both so put that on our list that's <laughs> on my bucket list so I, i'm
2: I'm gonna do that before it's all done with so yeah that's and it's right there it's like you know ten minutes away from my house so i need. i should beautiful be, I should to be watch. Out there. yeah and I just so oh beautiful. and there's this there's this one thing that I just saw in the news where this yeah. the, there, there's a guy there that has these these raptors he's like hawks and stuff that he keeps and awesome. And you can actually fly with these hawks. That's they're really they're trained cool. to fly along with you, and they'll land and you can feed them while you're flying and ah. stuff. It's like, yeah, so it's like, okay, I've got to do that. Now,
1: so, yeah, yeah that's it's pretty, pretty double cool. the experience. Okay. exactly. All right, I'm in All right. Do you have a green thumb?
2: <laughs> I, I kind of do. I mean, I I used to love, you know, I used to live back east in the the D.C. area, Washington, D.C. area, and uh, I used to have a garden at my mom's house out there, and I used to love to grow corn. And I uh, corn liked me. And and here in San Diego, in La Jolla, we, we grow tomatoes. Right. And we we grow the most amazing tomatoes. I and mean, there's nothing like yeah. corn off, off the plant. I mean, you can eat corn. I don't yeah. know if many people know, but if you just pick it off the plant fresh right yep. then, you can eat it right then without even cooking it. It's yeah, so sweet. Sure
1: I can. It's yeah. incredibly
2: sweet. And then tomatoes, these tomatoes are to die for out here. So yeah. I mean they get that hot hot sun and they just oh boy they're so Uh, good yeah but yes i can grow tomatoes and corn i got that covered pretty well
0: well that's two important things
1: yeah exactly and
2: two um, big food groups
1: right yeah (laughs) yeah well that's good a little green thumb that's awesome all right what is your idea of fun or what would what do you like to do for fun
2: um well fun for me is is going on trips with my wife so we just had our 33rd wedding anniversary um a couple weeks ago thank you yeah you know, we went to Vegas. We, um, you know, we're in the COVID, we've been in this COVID mode for the last year and it was just so nice to go, to get on an airplane, to go travel. We love, we love to travel, you know, Hawaii is kind of our happy place. So we go to Hawaii, Hawaii a lot. And that's fun to me, you know, We'll go to Hawaii, we'll get a place, we'll start drinking Mai Tais, yeah. um, you know, kicking back, listening to Hawaiian music, you know, the yeah. little hula action, sure. you know, to me, that's, that's a lot of fun. So that's, you know, we love to travel and, and I'm, you know, glad we're we're getting to travel again.
1: Oh, yeah. I know. It feels like such a release. I went to a wedding two weekends ago and it just, you know, we're dancing, we're hugging. We're, yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's crazy. It yeah. You feel yeah. like you're getting it, away with something. It, yeah, yeah we, we do feel
2: like we're getting away with something for sure.
1: <laughs> All right. All right. Can you describe your breakfast in one word?
2: Uh, late. Uh- <laughs> <laughs>
1: You know, I, I, yeah,
2: I, I, I'm I, I'm kind of a habitual bruncher, I guess. You know, I don't usually eat until around eleven or yeah. almost twelve o'clock. I just that's the way I yeah. do it. I I usually have a cup of coffee when I get up, and then I usually work. I'm usually doing emails and sometimes interviews and uh, working on a book or something. So usually by the time I get around to eating, it's around eleven or twelve o'clock. So I'm a late eater. Yeah. And and usually then it's something simple. For some reason, I'll I'll slice off a piece of bread. There's a, a bakery nearby here in La Jolla. Yeah. There's a great bakery, and we get these big, these big seeded loaves, and I, mm-hmm. I, you know, every week I get one of those, and I just work my way through it all week. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's late, and it's usually a, a big slice of bread.
1: That sounds Love yummy, it. and yeah. I should have known you could come up with one word as being a writer.
0: Didn't <laughs> struggle at all. Yeah, that was not a challenge for him. <laughs> challenge. Okay,
1: what do you do to de-stress?
2: I play music. I play guitar. I'm a you know, I don't know if you can see in the background there there's that sure. guitar.
1: Mm-hmm. And uh Gibson.
2: I'm I've been in bands, you know, in and out of bands. I, I love to play mm-hmm. parties, you know, pool parties. Um I'm not a big Ooh. play person to play in bars, because usually when you play in a bar, you start at like nine o'clock and you're done at one o'clock. Right, or, yeah. And by the time you get home, it's like two o'clock in the morning. It's yeah. just not my, I'm usually asleep. Right, I mean, yeah. what <laughs> <laughs> so I don't like that, but I love to play pool parties and that's just a great way to de-stress. And I, I just love playing in front of people, you know, like doing a lead guitar solo and people go, wow, you know, or they, 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 you can tell they're really kind of getting into it. So that's, that's, it's a lot, it's a big de-stressor for me. And it's just, it's just, it's another one of those fun things I like to do.
0: Wow. Oh, that sounds like so much fun. Do you have a favorite genre of music? Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of, you know, I was born in 1956 back in ancient times. And uh, so rock and roll, I mean, 70s rock and roll, Boston, Rolling Stones, you know, you name it. Um, I just love to play that stuff. So that's my, I'm I'm kind of stuck in the i'm stuck in the past i guess that's
1: all right love that's it. good music by any yeah. age standard <laughs> they,
2: they, they call it classic rock for a reason
1: yeah right <laughs> exactly it is classic okay what's your favorite thing about where you live
2: um well you know we're about a mile and a half from the beach so i mean i just love the ocean and mm. in san diego here and i i don't know anybody that lives in this, anywhere near the coast of California knows that we have this natural air conditioning machine off the, the, the ocean is our air conditioning machine. The ocean is we have a cold ocean, you know, East coasters. If you live on the East coast, or you live on the Gulf coast, your water is usually pretty warm. I mean, it, it'll get pretty warm and you don't have to wear a wetsuit or anything like that here in, in California that we get this, the water comes down from the Gulf of Alaska and it's kind of cold. Like right now, I think the water temperature is 65 degrees, which that's pretty cold. Yeah. And so, um, but we are, we have this cool air coming in off the ocean all the time. Our house doesn't have an air conditioner because we don't really need it. We'll, really. we'll have maybe one week of the year where we need an air conditioner. So I, I love the beach, love going to the beach, love seeing the ocean, love that onshore breeze of cool air that we get.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's how I feel about that San Diego area. I keep bringing up this quote. It seems to be relevant all the time. But again, one of my neighbors had said, the weather's not perfect, but it's never bad. It's always weather you can get out and do stuff in. Yeah. It's like 99.9% yeah. of the time. <laughs> yeah.
2: And and we have such a, an interesting variety. I mean, here yeah. in San Diego, um, I mean, you have the beach, you have mountains within an hour. And it's snow. I mean, 7,000 foot mountains yeah. with snow in the wintertime where you can, where you can go sledding and stuff. And then there's deserts, there's uh, every kind of possible thing, except rain, we don't have rainforests here, but yeah. pretty much anything else you might ever want to do. And like you said, hiking, biking, uh, you know, sk- surfing, skiing, you know, you name it, you can do it within an hour of here.
1: I know. It's amazing. Love it. yeah, Absolutely love it. Okay. Worst trouble you get into as a kid. Oh, God.
2: <laughs> oh, geez. You know, um, I- I'll t- I'll tell one of these, I've never said this to anybody, but... I mean outside outside, outside, outside of my family you know I I was I I used to be a little thief I mean talking about credit thief I was a you know, I, I was a little shoplifter and I wasn't, I, I it only lasted like about twice because the second time I did it with a friend of mine, his mom caught us.
1: Oh, And, yeah. and, it, you know,
2: and it, what it was, was I stole a candy bar. It was like, a, I think it was a Butterfinger. For some reason, I love Butterfinger candy bars. So, you know, my friend and I would go to, we went to this grocery store nearby that was near our house. And I think the first time we got away with it, and I, we stole this Butterfinger candy bar and we shared it. And it was like, wow, this is great. Second time his, his mom caught us and <laughs> and she was like, "If you guys ever do this again, oh right. boy, you are going to yeah. be in the worst trouble ever. I'm going to tell your father. I'm going to tell your mom. Right. I'm going to, you know, yeah. you're going to be in such big trouble." And that was the last time. I was like, "Okay, I swore off of my my life of yeah. I was yeah. on the, I was on the straight and narrow after that. So was, that narrow.
1: was that was the worst thing
2: I did as a kid. And that was pretty that was pretty bad at the time. I'll tell you."
1: Yeah, of course, uh, and and, if, and you know she, she might have saved you from a life of crime. You don't know. I, yeah, I, I I think
2: she. I I'm glad whatever whatever she saved me from. I'm glad it happened, and I'm glad it was just only on the second time. I'm glad it wasn't the tenth time. The, yeah, because then right. in the then the story when it caught me that might have been even worse. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Better for the mom. I'm glad she didn't tell your parents. That's a good yeah, story though. Yeah. All right.
2: That's funny. Play I just story. never told I never told anybody that story.
1: <laughs> I'm getting out the you know, getting out all your secrets. Yeah, okay. no, no, no
2: more no more questions, because that's I don't I am afraid where we're gonna go next. I don't want to
1: <laughs> <Okay>. two more. <laughs> what's the, what's right. the worst
2: thing you did in college? Don't ask <laughs> yeah, that. Right,
1: yeah. oh I didn't think of that one. No, <laughs> no don't don't even go let's you, you not. Know. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, first car.
2: Oh, wow. Well, the first car I had was our family car. It was a station wagon. It was a 1968 Dodge Coronet 500 station oh, wagon. <laughs> and, you know, I remember I drove that car to college uh, when one time I, I was driving from the you know, our parents lived in Washington, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. And I had to go to school in, in northern California. So I drove that car across country and somewhere wow. I think it was in Wyoming. All of a sudden and it was night. It was probably like two in the morning. I was in, in Wyoming. The car kind of sputtered to a stop. You know, oh, okay. and, I, and I'm on the freeway. I'm on the interstate in Wyoming, and there's like one car every ten minutes. You know, yeah. this is back in in the Boy. '70s, and it was right. literally there's one no car. There's
0: no cell phone or AAA. No yeah, phone. yeah, yeah. No gas.
2: No gas station, even with a payphone, yeah. anywhere nearby.
0: Yeah.
2: yeah. Oh, okay. So this guy stops, and he said, "You know," and I, I said, "Thanks for stopping because my car stopped." And he says, "Well, I'm from Alaska," and he had Alaska <laughs> plates. And, and if you don't if you don't stop for someone, they die. I mean, yeah. if, you, if you don't oh. if you don't help someone who needs help. In Alaska, right. they could freeze to death. They could a right. bear could Good eat point. on You know, you yeah, name it, anything true. could happen. So anyway, so he stopped, and and what it turned out was, is that the my shock absorber had broken. Mm-hmm. The car was all of a sudden doing this up and down, <laughs> up and down, and and it, and it broke my gas, my fuel line was broken. Oh, no. But that was my old family station wagon, the old 1968 Dodge Coronet. We got it fixed. I got to school, and everything was great after that. But anyway, that was <laughs> wow. that, that was. <laughs> That's my my car my first car story. Yeah,
1: that's a great story, and I'm sure you have some other memories in that car. But I won't ask. You oh one. yeah, you know, yeah,
2: that, that is very true. And, and a yeah, we, should, we shouldn't go with there an 18 too. But that, probably,
0: that was
1: but yeah.
2: that, that was a very nice thing to have. It was a that's yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I think you should write a book on that. I okay. could yeah. write a book
2: about that. Yes, now that you mentioned, I could write a, a book about that. Family station
1: wagon. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, last one. Favorite day of the week.
2: Oh boy! Um, you know the, the good news about right working for yourself is that you every day can be a holiday or every day yeah. can be a work day. But I like Saturday because Saturday becomes my my wife and I. That's sort of our day off. Nice. And we'll just, you know, we'll say, we'll we'll have a, ma- a margarita. We'll we'll take the day off. You know, I'll go and do things. We'll go shopping. We'll just do something special that's not work related. So every Saturday is kind of our day off. It's our um, so Saturday.
1: I love that. But hey, you nailed those 10 quick questions. Wow. You, they were, I didn't questions. even know there was
2: 10 of them. Wow. I
1: know. Yeah. <laughs> you absolutely
0: did and entertained us in the process. So that was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, Peter. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing all your amazing tips. And everybody should rush out and buy weight. I'm working with who? Chock full of great advice and tips. And so, thanks. Thank again you, Meg. For thank you,
2: Bobby. Really appreciate being on the show. I had a I had a blast. Let's. I, I'd love to, to just do the ten questions all over. Here.
0: I know. <laughs> I know. Well, I
1: have, have ten more. You know, a little bit more probing. No, just kidding. Peter, thank you so much. Your joy, your delight, and very helpful material that you're writing for people.
2: Thank you so much. It was great to be here today. Thank you. I really enjoyed it.
1: Okay. Well, hey, enjoy the rest of your day. And who wouldn't in La Jolla? Yeah. Yeah, And everybody, avoid those jerks at work. Yeah. (laughs)
2: They're out there. They're there. They're out.
0: They are definitely out there. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Thank you so much, Peter, for coming on our podcast. And it was just, as we said earlier, a great conversation. And you're such a talented person. And we wish you much success with your book, Wait, I'm Working With Who? And hopefully everybody will head on over to wherever you buy your books and pick it up.
1: Yep, definitely do that. And Peter, you owe me the hang gliding experience off Black Beach. And I'm holding you to it. Okay.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> So everybody, thank you for tuning in and listening. We appreciate all our listeners so much. And don't forget to rate, review, subscribe, help us
1: out, follow us on social media. Yes, it's a great way to show us the love. (laughs) Have a great rest of the day, everybody. Look forward to next time.
0: And this has been an Academic and Career Advising Services production.